Hello, this is Zach Driscoll welcoming you to the Real Men Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip men of all ages. My dad's heart has always been to build up men to be strong followers of Jesus and future leaders for their families. We want to build men up, not beat men up. For more Bible-centered resources like this, visit realfaith.com slash realmen. Now get ready for this week's Real Men Talk from my dad, Pastor Mark. Welcome to Real Men. We are so excited to have you live or joining us online. The way this works, uh, I'm going through a book of the Bible called James, and uh, we're going to do each week just a little leadership lesson for the men from the book of James to uh, build you up in a world that beats you down, and then time for prayer and discussion. And so here's my question to start this week. Um, this is actually reminds me of my dad. My dad, Joe, um, probably the only two things that I'm like, Jesus. my dad's name was Joe and he was a carpenter. Other than that, I got a lot of work to do. But my dad's name was Joe. My, uh, my dad married at about 20, had me right away. He was a very young father. And uh, to feed our family, my dad was a carpenter. He was a construction worker. So he literally hung drywall, hung sheetrock until he broke his back uh, to feed five kids and to take care of our family. And, and I love my dad with all my heart. And I'll, I'll never forget, uh, my dad kind of had this little routine. He'd get up in the morning and uh, Lunchbox would be packed, thermos would be filled, tool bucket put together, and he put this big belt on to hold his, uh, his bags, and then he'd go to work all day to feed his family. And so I, I see this, it reminds me, reminds me of my dad, and, uh, and I love my dad. So let me ask you a question. It's not a trick question. So there's water in here, and, uh, and if I strike or bump or hit or have some sort of collision, what comes out? Water. Okay, it's a simple principle, and the same thing is true of you. When life hits you, when trials uh, bump you, when something uh, unexpectedly triggers you, whatever comes out is what's in. And so what happens a lot of the time with men, and we're gonna talk about anger, there's a lot of anger in here, and what happens is everyone and everything around you is just trying not to bump you. Just don't make dad mad, don't go in there, don't talk to him, don't say that, don't tell him, don't let him know. Don't just give him a minute, give him a month, give him a decade, he'll cool down. And what happens is, um, oftentimes then as men, what comes out of us in a trial is anger and all it does is it makes the trial worse. So the theme in James chapter one is trial, it's hardship, is those times when life comes along and just hammers you, it bumps you, it unexpectedly collides with you. And here's what he has to say in James chapter one. This is gonna be our whole uh, talk today, tonight. Uh, if you want it, you can find it at realfaith.com, but this is everything we're gonna cover. And the big theme is understanding male anger during a trial. And some of you guys are like, I'm a pretty nice guy, pretty easy going, but then man, as soon as I get hit, I don't like what comes out. Here's what he says in James chapter one. Know this, my beloved brothers. So he's talking to you guys. He's talking to us. And the reason we're here is we're brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Most men are not slow to anger. This is the, long, this is the most quoted verse in the whole Bible. It's out of Exodus. God says he's slow to anger. Uh, God keeps telling us that he's slow to anger, I think in part because as men, we're very quick to anger, so we need to keep being reminded to be brothers who are like the father. Slow to anger, here's the, tell me if this is still true. I know this book was written a long time ago, but see if this maybe still makes sense. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. True? Yeah. When you get angry, what comes out of you is anger, especially in a trial, 
and it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And the truth is, it doesn't make your life better. Now, some of you guys have gotten used to anger. Anger might work a little bit in the military or sports or in business, but how does it work in marriage? Does it work? It does not work. How about in parenting? It does not work. Many of you were raised by an angry man. And if you don't learn how to break that cycle, you're actually having a generational curse where now it's generations of angry men. And some of you come from those lines and lineages. And when I'm talking about anger, I did mention it on uh, the weekend that there are two express occasions in the New Testament where it says that Jesus was angry. And we see uh, events where he's angry as well, turning over the temple money changers, you know, Ponzi scheme, he's angry. The, the point is that not all anger is a sin, but let me say this, most of your anger is a sin. And most of my anger is a sin. Most men, most of our anger is a sin. If you're angry because the righteousness of God is violated and someone is victimized, maybe for example, a young girl is assaulted by an older man and that makes you angry, that's okay. But most of our anger is very selfish. It's not because God or someone else is hurting. It's because we're just inconvenienced or annoyed or we're tired or we've had a long day and our wick is very short. And as a result, we are very quick to anger. And I'm also not talking here, so I'm not saying that all anger is a sin, but I'm saying most of our anger is. In addition, I'm not talking against passion. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know me, I'm very passionate. Like I, I get excited, I'm, I'm a passionate person. Some of you are incredibly passionate people. We're not talking about, you know, sort of medicating you so that you just lose all emotional trajectory and enthusiasm. But we're talking specifically about anger in its negative and pejorative format. And what I wanna talk about is how anger hurts you and the people that you love the most. And so this is what I wanna talk about. An angry man harms others. Just tell me if this sounds familiar. If you're an angry man in a home or in an environment of a family, the man is the thermostat, the woman is the thermometer. Meaning he sets the temperature and she, she knows the temperature. Okay, as soon as dad comes home, the temperature of the household changes. Okay, if dad's loving, joyful, present, yay, dad's home, all the kids are, yay, dad's home. If dad is angry, everybody's like, okay, we need to quietly evaluate what is the temperature. Did he have a good day? Did he have a bad day? Is, is he already right at the edge of explosion? I mean, are we seeing the, you know, the lava start to pop out of the top of dad's volcano? Like, is he ready to erupt? Where are we? And what happens is a man who is angry, he sets an environment for women and children that causes great anxiety. It's a stressful environment, okay? Now, without raising your hands, but how many of you, your dad was an angry guy? And or he was like a grenade with a pin pulled. You're like, man, I gotta be careful what I say and do. Because if I say and do anything wrong, he'll explode. And the problem is it changes. I can't predict. And so what happens in those environments, if you grew up in that environment as a child, you just sense the anxiety. It's not a place that you wanna be. These are the kids that just go to their room, lock the door, hide themselves on technology. These are the kids who leave the home and they go play at their friend's house. These are the kids who become very, very sneaky. 
They're like, well, I, I'm not gonna let dad know anything because he's just gonna blow up. And if he's just gonna blow up, then I'm gonna get very sneaky. I'm gonna hide whatever it is I am doing. These are the homes where you don't bring friends over. Why? You have no idea what the environment's gonna be. If it's anxious and dad's angry, you can't have friends over. This is the home where if you're raising kids, you, you can't ask your friends, hey, you wanna stay the night at my house? You're like, I can't even ask because I don't know what's gonna happen at my house. Dad's a bit volatile, he's angry, he's unpredictable. When the grenade has the pin pulled, you don't know what is going to happen next, but we know it's only a matter of time. The other thing that happens is it puts fear in his girlfriend or his wife damaging intimacy. The number one thing that a woman needs is safety and security. She needs security. It's where Bible talks about the woman being the weaker vessel. All it's talking about there primarily is physically. Most of us men don't go through our life feeling like we're in danger, right? Most of us don't. We just, and, and you guys are in Arizona, you're like, even if I'm little, I got a gun, so I'm good. You know, that's just how we roll. And so for me, I'm that guy, like if we're going for a walk, I'm next to the street so that if somebody gets hit by a car, it's me. If we're sitting at a restaurant, I sit in the corner booth and I take the chair that is closest to the door so I could see who is coming and going. I don't live with a sense of fear. I live with a sense of protection. And I, I have a sense of concern for the well-being of my wife. My wife is the weaker vessel, meaning if, if, if we were to arm wrestle, She'd lose. If we were going to have some sort of physical altercation, I've never raised a hand against a woman in my life, but she just knows I'm stronger than her. And for most men, we sometimes use that to our advantage and we can be domineering and overbearing, but now just flip it and think from the woman's perspective. That's dangerous. Okay, how many of you don't want your daughter with a guy who physically is intimidating and unsafe for them? I got two daughters, uh, that's not what I want. I want you to use your strength to protect her, not to exploit her, to make her feel safe and at ease, not that she is living as a POW with her captor. And what happens for a woman, um, I'm gonna say some things that are probably a little controversial because that's what I do. But uh, because the woman is the recipient in the sexual relationship, she is, more able to be present and enjoy herself if she is relaxed. If she is anxious and stressed and uncomfortable because she feels unsafe and she's not sure if you are going to be harmful toward her because of your anger, she's tense. That affects your sexual relationship. When this happens, um, the wife or the girlfriend in the dating relationship, obviously you don't have a sexual relationship just yet, we'll build on this theme in a moment. The wife doesn't feel safe, so she's not going to be emotionally intimate. And as a result then, the man gets more angry. So let me say this, a lot of what triggers your anger was caused by your anger. If you're an angry guy and set an anxious environment in your home, and then you come home and it's not a warm and welcoming environment, you're angry because it's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be because you're there. You're the problem and you're supposed to be the solution. If you don't feel that your wife or your girlfriend is emotionally intimate and warm and close, it may be because you're angry and then you get more angry because you feel like they're not emotionally present. And so your anger escalates. And all we do is we just continue to set off 
avalanches in our own life. And so what happens then is an anger cycle kicks in for a guy. I go to work and I'm angry and then I come home and they don't respect me and they don't greet me and they're not happy to see me. And then my wife or my girlfriend, she's not emotionally present. More anger. But what caused it? Your anger. In addition, um, it breaks his children and grandchildren damaging his legacy, okay? How many of you had an angry dad or grandpa, okay? How many of you, that did not benefit you as a child? I've never met any man who said, my dad was really angry or my grandpa was really angry and it was, it was, it was such a blessing. <laughs> I thank God every day for that violent rage. I've never seen that. What I have seen is grown men still bearing the scars of angry fathers and grandfathers. I tend to verbal process a lot when I do this. I'll just share something that comes to mind. You guys ever remember uh, any UFC fans, uh, old pride fighting fans, cage fighting fans? There was uh, one of the first lighter weight classes champions, a guy named Jens Pulver. His name was Little Evil. He was a decent wrestler. He was a southpaw, great left hand. Great left hand knockout power. He finally won the belt for his weight class. Grown man, world champion, Jens Pulver, Little Evil. They handed him the mic, I'll never forget. And uh, he looked at the mic and he started crying, got very emotional. And he said something to the effect of, see dad, I did amount to something. Here's a grown man, but every day he stepped in the ring, he put his dad's face on his opponent's body and every day it was a war with his dad. He tells the story in his biography. He seems to have met Jesus, which is good. There's healing and now he's got a heavenly father. When he was a little boy, he tells the story that his dad would put a gun in his mouth and said, pull the trigger, but I don't think you're worth the cost of the bullet. Okay. What happens is, if you're an angry guy, whether it is, you say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, you know what? The truth is, as men, here's another thought that comes to mind. We think we're dropping a hammer. If you're a husband or father, you carry a Thor hammer. What's the difference between a hammer and a Thor hammer? The impact. See, in the life of your child or grandchild, when you drop your hammer, it's a Thor hammer. It comes with way more power and force than you were expecting. And what happens then is through your anger, you can break your children and your grandchildren. And what you've now done, you've broken your legacy. And now you've created possibly even a generational curse where anger just breaks one generation to another. Um, I don't know, I'm just gonna be honest with you and just tell you, I'm seeing a lot of stuff tonight. Just, I just literally am just seeing a lot of things. I'll tell you a story. Um, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, uh, a lot of violence, a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, not a lot of dads, a lot of, a lot of government assistance, a lot of first generation immigrants. And um, I never forget, there was a, a, a kid in the neighborhood, he asked me if I'd come over and hang out or play at his house. I was, I don't know. 10, 12, 14, something like that. I was like, whatever. I play wiffle ball or shoot hoops or whatever. It's a poor neighborhood, not much to do. Never been to his house. So I go there and his dad's sleeping on the couch. And uh, we walked in 
and his dad kind of woke up. And uh, as his dad was laying on the couch and went to stretch, the little girl, his daughter was walking by and she, as soon as he went to stretch, the dad did just waking up on the couch, she immediately recoiled and covered her face. I'll never forget that moment as a little boy. This was the most dangerous place on earth for that little girl. As soon as she saw her father's hand, she recoiled in terror. And I, I, I just, I, I left. I was like, I, I, got, I was a little kid. I, like, I got to get out of here. I made a, I didn't know the Lord at that time. It wasn't an inner vow, it was a covenant. Inner vow is demonic. Covenant is with God. I, I believe I didn't even know the Lord, but I just made a little covenant at that moment. Like this will be the safest place on earth for my kids, starting with my daughters. No flinching when this comes out. Um, my youngest daughter, Lexi, she's almost uh, 18. And we have this little routine. It's been since she was a little girl. Uh, I love her. She, we're, we're snuggly. I kiss her. We're good. <laughs> Real close. I love her with all my heart. And um, one of our little routines since she was little, and she started it when she was little. When, before bedtime, she would walk over because she always gets a kiss on the head before bedtime. And now she gives me a kiss on the head before bedtime. We kiss each other on the head. But she walked up to me when she was a little girl and she took my hand and she opened it and she laid her face on it. And she wanted me to give her her goodnight kiss on her head. And so we have this little tradition with my now 18 year old daughter that when I open my hand, she walks over and lays her face on it so I can kiss her on the head, okay? I want this to be the safest place on earth. I want someday when I'm gone and they say, well, tell me about your dad. Oh, <laughs> I would lay my face on his hand and he would kiss me on the head because my dad was the safest person and his hand was the safest place. See, what happens oftentimes with an angry man, we break our child or our grandchild, and then we grieve the fact that we have broken them. But the truth is we don't apologize or repent for our anger. The shortest distance between you and someone you have hurt is just repentance. And just saying, I've sinned and that was wrong and I ask you to forgive me and I'm seeking to rebuild trust. But an angry man, he breaks his child or his grandchildren. And let me, let me say this, the way this works in a generational curse, some of you guys had this done to you and it's almost just habitual and you need some new habits because the way you respond to your child is the way that you were responded to. But the question is, did you like being that child? And if not, then why be that dad? A couple others, uh, sets his daughters up for domineering romantic relationships. If you are an angry man, one of two things will happen with your daughter when she starts dating or goes to get married. Number one, she'll be used to having an angry, unhealthy, domineering male. So what kind of guy is she gonna date? Domineering, angry, unhealthy male. Why? She's used to it. Her pain tolerance is too high. Or she's done with it, so she gets the weakest guy she can find. Like totally, he, he's not like my dad. He's a total coward. And then I get to dominate him. 
She's used to not a loving, modeling relationship. She's used to a domineering, overbearing relationship. So what she either thinks is, I'll go find a strong guy who will be domineering over me, or I'll go find a weak guy and I'll be domineering over him. This is what happens all the time. Your daughters marry someone either like you or completely the opposite of you. Depending upon if you're angry, those are the ways they're going to respond. And it sets them up for unhealthy romantic relationships. So I know this is super convicting, but some of you guys are in it. You're like, why when I come home, do I hate that environment? And why does my wife not wanna have sex with me and be intimate with me? And why are my kids not you know, close to me? And why is my daughter dating a loser? What, what the hell? Well, maybe it was, you triggered the whole avalanche with your anger. And just getting angry at the response that your leadership has caused does not fix the problem. It just causes more problems. How about this? Sets his sons up to be broken or bullies. If you're an angry guy, you dominate and overbear your son. One of two things will happen. You're gonna break him. He's just gonna be the guy that grows up and is never quite what he should have been. Or he's gonna think, you know what? My dad is a total jerk and, and I can't wait till I'm the man so I can be the bully and not the bullied. This is what guys do. They're either broken or they just wait to become the bully. And sometimes even angry men who are raised by angry men, they'll say, they'll be like, dad, why are you so hard on me? My son, my, well, my dad was hard on me and now I'm hard on you. Don't, don't stop crying, don't, don't be a wuss, tough up, you know, rub some dirt in it, suck it up, figure it out. You're like, well, did you like being his son? No, but I, I, I endured a lot, so I burned the right to be him. You don't want your son to be broken and you, you don't want him to be a bully. You want him to be healthy. Right? And if you're an angry guy, you're gonna end up with either a broken son or a son who grows up to become a bully. And then lastly, in this section, he quickly empties the relationships accounts he slowly invested in. So health, safety, security with a wife and children, because you are the stronger vessel. You can make lots of deposit. You can go to work, you can pay the bills, you can coach Little League, you could tuck them in, you could drop them off at church, you could pray for them. And as soon as you go off on them, you empty the account. And, and as men, let's just be honest, we've all done this. And you can sense it as soon as you do, like everything I was working for, Literally, I just, I, I was pouring into that bucket and then I popped a hole in the bottom and boom, I just emptied it. The easiest way, the shortest way, the most assured way for a man to do this is to discipline his child in anger. Discipline is about correction, not punishment. It's about associating negative consequence with negative behavior to change the behavior. If you are angry, you should never discipline your child. If your voice is raised, you should never discipline your child. The goal is part of their discipleship and correction. One of the things I used to do all the time with my kids, and sometimes, how many of you have that kid that they just know how to get you frustrated? Like they're that kid, like they have a minor, in your anger, like they have studied it and they've got it figured out. What you need to do before you talk to that child 
as their father, you need to go talk to your father as his child. Okay, dad, this kid is driving me crazy. I don't know what to do. The father will tell you, son, I know exactly how I feel. Being your dad has felt a lot like that. Dad, okay, work with me on my frustration, my anger. Let me pray this out. You know, let me invite the Holy Spirit to control my emotional response. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and now what I'm feeling. And then what I would always do with my kids, I'd make sure I wasn't angry. I wouldn't raise my tone. I wouldn't raise my voice. There was one occasion, again, just I'm seeing stuff tonight, so I'll share it with you. There was one occasion um, when our, uh, my oldest daughter, she's obedient rule keeper. Her brother is not. So that you raise different kids. But there was one time she did something wrong. It wasn't a sin, it was just spilled something, did something, I don't remember what it was. I did not raise my voice. I did not even yell at her. I just literally said her name and she threw up. <laughs> I realized as a dad, I've got a superpower. Like I have more authority than I even know what to do with. Heaven forbid I would ever discipline that little girl in anger. And so, you know, what I would do with the kids, before I was an old catcher, not very good. That's why I'm free to preach. But, um, <laughs> but I would get down in the squat and I'd just look at them in the eye. And I'd start with questions. First of all, I'd watch my tone. Don't give them the, if you, you have that look, imagine you're a little kid looking at that angry face. Like, that's terrifying. It's traumatizing. I'd make sure it's calm, look them in the eye. And I'd start with simple questions like, uh, who am I? You're my dad. Okay, how do I feel about you? You love me, dad. Okay. With my sons, I'd ask, of every human being on the earth, who's the first one in line who's for you? You are, dad. And if they couldn't answer that question that I love them and I was for them, then I needed to deal with a relationship before I dealt with the correction because you got to connect with a kid before you can correct the kid. Uh, I've said it before, but my, one of my daughters, she was super poetic. Uh, she said, uh, you love me bigger than the sky and deeper than the ocean. It was hard to discipline after that. You know, she just looked me in the eye. But I want them to know when I come down, it's like Jesus came down and Jesus is the father's way of coming down to look us in the eye and to say, we have a problem, but I love you and I forgive you and I'm here to help you fix it. Jesus is the Father's way of coming down to look us in the eye, okay? Angry men, they cause harm to all the people that they love the most and they empty the relationship accounts that they've been depositing in. And I could just sense it in the room, guys. Cause we've all, some of you are like, I love my wife, I love my kid, da, 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 da. And then just one day I lost it. And now, they're, now, now it's like I've ruined everything. It's because you've ruined everything. And what you can't say is, well, here's all the deposits I made. You gotta also say, and here's the withdrawal that I made. In addition, so I, something is of the devil when everybody loses. Something is of the flesh when somebody wins and somebody loses. Something is of the spirit when everybody wins. When it comes to an angry man, who wins? Nobody, it's demonic. In addition to harming those that you love, you harm yourself. Number one, an angry man is not enjoying the father heart of God. A lot of times when I talk about the love of God, I talk about the father heart of God. 
Because sometimes it's hard for a man to relate to love, but that God is a father. Is God the father? You are for, if you are a Christian, you belong to Jesus. Jesus died for all your sins, endured the wrath of God. Is God angry at you now? No. He's not. Some of you didn't even know that. Now, if you don't have Jesus and he didn't endure the wrath of God, die for your sin, yes. Then you are under the wrath of God and the anger of God. But if you're in Jesus Christ, he died for you. He took God's wrath. You're now God's beloved adopted son. He's not angry at you. Now, he may not like some of the things we do, but he's there to help us. Think of the story of the prodigal son. Again, I'm just verbal processing. He treated his father horribly, ran away from home, basically said, I wish you were dead, cashed in his inheritance for prostitutes and drugs and shenanigans. And then he comes home. Was his dad angry? No. His dad was anxiously waiting for him, looking out the window every day. As soon as he sees his son, what does the dad do? He runs to him. In, in that culture, men didn't run. It was not dignified. Today we don't, because we'll pull a hamstring. You know, I mean, you gotta, gotta know your limits. <laughs> I'm 50, if there's a fire, I'm walking out, hoping for the best, you know? And so what happens is the father has been longing for the son, runs to the son. Can't spend another minute without his son. Embraces his son, loves his son. Does he forgive his son? Yes. Does he honor his son? Yes. Is he generous toward his son? Yes. He throws up party. You're a son. That's the father's heart toward you. And even as I share this with you, some of you realize that your version of the prodigal may be some anger issues. You say, well, if I go talk to my father about that, well, you're his son. The father doesn't treat you with anger and it's his love and the father's heart that heals you. So you don't need to live as an angry man. His heart will heal your heart. In addition, an angry man is not expressing the character of Christ. Does Jesus walk around angry all the time? No, he doesn't. How do we know this? Who are the people that tend to come to him? Broken women and children. Angry men do not attract broken women and children. Children run from angry men. They don't run to Jesus. The, the children keep coming to him. That doesn't happen to an angry guy. And broken women, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, these women who are broken, they come to Jesus because he represents and he demonstrates the father heart of God. If you're an angry man, you're not enjoying the father heart of God and you're not expressing the character of Christ. And so you can be telling everyone about Jesus, but they're not sensing the third thing would be the, the Holy Spirit bringing the Father heart of God and the character of Christ to and through you. And so that's the third point. You're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know what the opposite of that is? Anger. Is anger loving? No. Is anger joyful? No. Is it, does it cause an environment of peace? No. Is it patient? No, anger is not patient. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Is it kind? No. 
Is it faithful? No, it betrays everything it's committed to. Is anger self-control? No. So ungodly anger is just the flesh and it causes us not to manifest the fruit of the spirit, which is the character of Christ. And so your anger keeps you from intimacy with the father, the character of Christ and the fullness of the spirit. What I'm telling you is your anger might feel good for a moment, but it's not good for anyone and it's not good for you. In addition, an angry man um, harms his health. So let me just ask an honest question. You permission to speak freely. What physical things happen to a man who lives as an angry man? Heart, heart attacks, sickness because he wears out his adrenal system because he's always firing. He's always in the fight or flight cycle. He's always um, in the mix. And the result is eventually wears down his adrenal glands. First thing that shuts down his immune system. So now you're the guy who has a lot of health problems, gets allergies, gets colds, gets sick. What else happens to a guy physically who lives angrily? Headaches, stress, migraines, because you just your, your, your body is literally just manifesting the anger and the stress. Stomach problems, ulcers, heart attacks, panic attacks. So what do we do? We self-medicate with alcohol. I'm angry. I feel like the volcano that's going to blow. I'll get drunk. That'll calm me down. But all that does is it takes away your discernment and it causes you to exchange the Holy Spirit for unholy spirits, which is what alcohol is. Not all alcohol consumption is a sin, but alcohol is self-medication for an angry man is a dangerous cycle because as he gets more angry, he has to drink more alcohol. As his body starts to have more tolerance toward alcohol and he has more anger, now it's more anger and much more alcohol. And now you are an addict. And so then other guys go to other things to try to assuage their anger, pornography, food, gambling, arguing. We're trying to find a way to self-soothe and trying to calm down. In addition, an angry man is lonely and isolated. Who wants to be with an angry guy? Nobody, nobody. Like, why, why is it my kids don't talk to me? Why is it my wife doesn't wanna have sex with me? Well, because she's scared of you. And then what happens is, if your wife doesn't have sex with you, now you start to get testosterone-induced male anger because a regular sex life with your wife is one of the things that God designed to calibrate your body, to have you function in a healthy way and to be a man who is emotionally regulated. But for the wife to wanna have sex with you, she needs to feel safe with you. And if you're angry, she doesn't wanna have any physical intimacy. And so as a result, you feel not intimate with your wife and it creates a testosterone buildup and frustration, which creates more anger. So you yell at your wife because she's not sleeping with you. And I'll just tell you, it doesn't make her want to sleep with you. So then you have a drink and sleep with her. I just promise you, there is no woman out there who's sane and in her right mind saying, I'm looking for a guy with a drink and an anger problem so that I can be intimate with him because I feel safe. <laughs> Do you see where our anger triggers all of these things that cause us to be more angry? 
And many guys get into this avalanche cycle. And you ask them, why are you so angry? Oh, my kids don't respect me. My wife doesn't even talk to me. We don't have sex anymore. Everybody at work is driving me crazy. And, and it's like, okay, okay, why is your relationship with everyone like that? I know this is gonna be harsh, but I love you. Let me, let me say this. I believe that hard words produce soft people and I believe that soft words produce hard people. The reason I'm gonna give you some hard words is because I want you to be soft toward God and the things of God and the people that God has entrusted to you. And sometimes what happens is we self-sabotage our own life and then we sit there like a victim and we just get angry and petulant and we blame everyone else rather than saying, would I want to be with me? Would I want my daughter to marry someone like me? Would I want my sons to treat our grandkids like me? Treating them. And the answer is no, then the solution is repentance. The last one. An angry man harms himself because he is often manifesting male depression. I'll close with this. Uh, some years ago, and I didn't get the prep, so just bear with me on the verbal process. I was teaching in Dallas, I just flew in, I was on the 50 yard line at Cowboy Stadium this morning and, and doing some teaching in Dallas. But some years ago, I, wrote a, I read a book from Archibald Hart. He's a clinician and a Christian counselor, and it's called Unmasking Male Depression. And what he said is, Historically, the clinical definition and categorization of depression was the manifestation of female symptoms of depression. And hardly any man, men clinically got diagnosed with depression. They're like, isn't that weird that women get depressed, but the men don't? And then what they realized is men and women have depression, they manifest it differently. Women get emotional, men don't like feeling emotional, so they get angry. They don't like feeling weak, so they get angry. They don't like feeling defeated, so they get angry. They don't like processing their pain or their hurt or their trauma, so they get angry. What happens when a man gets angry? He feels strong. Testosterone fires, endorphins fire. You're on your front foot. You're in the fight or flight cycle. You're strong, you're not weak. And so most men who are angry are depressed and they're manifesting their depression with male anger and their manifestation is different than women. This is what I'm telling you. A guy who's always angry is a guy who's always depressed. A guy who's always angry is a guy who's bitter. A guy who's always angry is a guy who's broken. A guy who's angry is a guy who hasn't healed from some stuff that's frustrating to him. And it's hard for him to confess that. It's hard for him to repent of that. It's hard for him to own that. It's hard for him to bring that to the Lord. It's hard for him to bring that to the Holy Spirit for healing because he feels like he's not much of a man. Let me tell you this, a repentant man is far more of a man than an angry man. A humble man is far more of a man than an arrogant man. A man who welcomes the father to change him is far more of a man than a man who grows up to be a dangerous father. I am sorry for many of you, for the men in your life. Oftentimes this depression that settles into a man that manifests his anger to cover the depression, it starts when we're young guys, when we're boys, 
or we're young men. And so what I would tell you is, I love you with all my heart. And for many of you, and it's an honor to be your pastor. I want the best version of you. I want the healthiest version of you. I want the Father's heart to just come shining through your heart. When you're in a situation, I, I want the character of Christ. I, I wanna see your worst days in the past and the best days in the future. When, when, when you get hit and your natural instinct would be anger, I want it to be the fruit of the spirit that comes out of you. I'm hoping and praying that as men, we can just be cognizant and aware of this. Maybe go home, tell our wife, tell our girlfriend, tell our fiance, tell our kid, tell our grandkid, I'm sorry, God has convicted me. I'm asking your forgiveness and I covenant with you and God that this is changing in my life by the grace of God. So that when you're hit, they, they drive you freaking crazy. They disrespect you. They take your money. Uh, they cut you off in traffic. They screw you at work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Thanks for letting me teach. I'll pray. Father, thanks for an opportunity to teach the men. And God, I thank you that we can be passionate, but we don't need to be angry. We can be strong, we don't need to be angry. We can be resilient, we don't need to be angry. Because the truth is, Lord, the Holy Spirit is stronger than our anger. The Holy Spirit is tougher than our anger. The Holy Spirit is more resilient than our anger. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to do surgery in the souls of men. So that when we are bumped, what comes out is not the worst of us, but the best of you in Jesus' good name. Amen. Love you guys. This is the end of today's sermon. We hope today's word encourages you to be stronger men of Christ. If you live in Arizona, I invite you to attend Real Men. We meet every Wednesday night here at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. For more resources like this, visit realfaith.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus.